Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Our awesome kids are going to go have a great time. Enjoy. We love you so much. Uh, it's good to be together. It's good to be in the house worshiping the Lord. And uh, I'm, I'm really stirred and expectant for what the Lord's doing. Um, even just as we were singing there at the end, I could just feel the Lord is encouraging your hearts this morning. He really is. Um, when we were praying before the service, we felt just that Jesus was coming to heal the brokenhearted, to shepherd us as a community. That there might be situations, circumstances, and things that you're facing right now, and He is so present. You know, the work of the Holy Spirit is uncomfortable. It's why He's the comforter. He has to comfort you because actually when you're growing and when He's doing things in your heart, it can be really uncomfortable. And sometimes we go through situations and circumstances that are difficult and there's hardships and things that happen in life. But I promise you, when we're in Him, it's the greatest adventure to simply follow Jesus. You don't actually, see, when you follow Jesus, you don't have to know. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have the whole thing figured out. You just need to know Him. You just need to know His voice. Amen? All right. So this morning, um, I'm feeling such a, a, I guess it's a pastoral word. It's a word to encourage. It's a word to strengthen. It's a word to maybe even in some ways um, bring a little bit of healthy challenge to our hearts. Does that, is that okay? Is everyone all right? I know there's a loud generator in the background. I'm going to be as uh, wild and, and exciting as, as I can to keep your attention, uh, especially for Jesse, seeing as he's making signs at me. Um, I'm just teasing. Also, <laughs> also um, apparently I'm a very cheeky pastor, and I apologize for the announcements. Apparently I'm not allowed to do announcements again. Uh, just getting you all to give me my own applause. I love it. Um, anyway. I really do love you, and I'm excited for this morning. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're here. And as we open the Word together and as we dive into what you have for us this morning, I just ask that you would bring clarity, that you would bring focus, that you would bring such a surety and a security in your Word, God. I welcome you, Holy Spirit. Come and minister to us this morning. Come and touch my heart. Come and touch our hearts. Come and strengthen us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's, it's a beautiful time for us as a church. Um, we're a, what, a couple months now into this new venue, and as you can see, we're, we're finding our way. And as we grow, we're filling the spaces, and so there's still a lot of empty rooms and things, but we're getting there. And uh, it's been a big year for 24-7. And I know, I just felt as I was praying for this morning, I know that over the last couple of months, there's a lot of you that have joined very recently. And I think it's important for us as a house, important for us as a church, to realize the story of God over 24-7, uh, what God has done, where we've been, where we are right now, and also where we're going as a house, and what God's doing in us and through us. And so um, if you are new to, to 24-7, and maybe today's your first time, I, I know that a lot of what I might be saying you might not know, but uh, we consider you family. And so uh, to be together as the family of God, seeing what He's doing in the church, building together as living stones, a dwelling place for Him, it's the greatest adventure and the, the highest call we'll ever experience as the people of God. And what a privilege that we get to do this together. Even this morning, we were sorting out this graphic. Uh, I forgot to tell them that I'd made one, and so it was last minute. I do that a lot. Sorry, guys. Um, but as we were doing that, we were just looking at the room full of people connecting. And I just turned and I said, guys, I really love the church. Look at this. Like, where, where on earth? I mean, for me, I, I think about God and I go, his favorite place is where the church meets. His favorite place on the earth is where the church meets. Because when we come together like this, he wants to fill a people. And so we don't realize that we come in and we're just enjoying each other. And in just fellowshipping and connecting with one another, he's filling that space. Because you carry the Holy Spirit and I carry the Holy Spirit. And when we come together, we create environments of his presence where he likes to dwell. And so even in our fellowship, even in our connecting, I could see Jesus on a people. And I believe that that's what he's calling us to, a oneness like we see in John 17. And he actually says, Lord, would you make them one as we are one so that the world would know why you sent me. That even in our togetherness, the world would begin to look at a peculiar people like the church, so full of life, so full of joy, so full of unity and togetherness that's only by the Spirit, and they'd understand why Jesus was sent. There's something so profound in that. There's something so significant. And I believe that in these times, it's going to be vital as the church to grow in that revelation. I believe that 24-7 Global is in a powerful, humbling, and strategic place right now. And we can see that there's life. We can see that God's doing so much. And I kept hearing in my spirit last night when we were praying, I kept hearing, ready, set, yield. 
And I was like, Lord, I'm, I'm ready for the ready, set, go. Ready, set, go. I'm like, let's, let's do this. Let's run. Let's burn for Jesus. Let's see the whole city transformed, the nations transformed. I'm, I'm that crazy guy, and I hope you're those crazy people who want to be known as those who turn the world upside down, right? When Paul and them would walk into cities that say, oh, man, those guys are turning the world upside down, they've come here too. There's a reason why Paul was arrested and beaten and stoned everywhere he went, because he was wild. He was radical for Jesus. And so I'm excited about those things. I'm excited to go. I'm excited to see God move in our city. But I kept feeling the Holy Spirit say, fruitfulness comes from yieldedness. That it's ready, set, yield. And in the yielding, you'll see a long-lasting fruit, a longevity to our lives in Jesus that goes far beyond our own zeal, our own capacity, our own ability to obey. We need the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need a, a daily walk with Him that sustains us, that builds us up, that carries us. This morning when we were praying, I was saying, Lord, we want to be carried by the currents of heaven this morning because the currents of heaven, the flow of the Holy Spirit will take you way beyond what you think you can do in your own strength. That should give you a confidence. It should give us as the church a confidence that when we lean on Him, when we depend on the Holy Spirit, when we rely on Him, He can do things far beyond our wildest dreams. Amen? So we're in this moment as a family. And I want to encourage you. It's, we came out of a little farmhouse. We've transitioned into this space and uh, what a beautiful journey it's been. And in the midst of that, we've kept our pursuit, our mandate, our vision, one thing, and it's the presence of the Lord. And I know that that language is becoming familiar now if you're watching different movements and churches and YouTube videos and things, and it's beautiful. God's doing this across the nations. But we never want to become familiar with the language of His presence. When we say presence, we're talking face. Presence, the, the original word for presence is face. It's the face of God. And so we want to be occupied by Him. We want to be given to Him. We want to be a people joined together where your life is contributing to a community that want to host and steward environments of His presence for His glory 24-7, 365. Until Jesus comes. Amen? Amen. I'm excited about that. So there's, there's key things about our house and our community. We want to minister to the Lord. We want to know Him. We want to become the living expression of His dream and His heart on the earth. We want to see our city, our nation, and the ends of the earth filled with the demonstration of the gospel. And we want to see every tribe, tongue, and nation worshiping, right? We see it in the book of Revelation. It's going to happen. I want in on that. So this morning, we're singing in Spanish, Santo, Santo, and it's like, but we're in Joburg. Like, there's no one in Joburg that speaks Spanish that I know of. But the reality is it's going to take every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every language to even come close to beginning to describe the worthiness of Jesus. What a joy that we get to sing Santo Santo knowing that across the world right now, Santo Santo is being sung in South America or in, in Spain or wherever. Like, that's a beautiful thing. And so it's not just Spanish, but it's all the languages. And we want to incorporate that into our house. We want to see expressions of language for every tribe, tongue, and nation. Amen? Including... A beautiful country like South Africa that has how many? Is it 11 languages? 11 official and there's more, right? What's that? There's 12? Okay. There's a lot. And that's, that's a beautiful and powerful thing. So I want to just make some statements, some declarations this morning to our heart, and then I'm going to dive into really what I feel the Lord doing pastorally this morning. I want to just say this. As a house... As you're growing in the culture of 24-7, which is the, the culture of the kingdom of heaven. That's, we're not trying to build our own thing. We want to see the, the kingdom of heaven on the earth. Amen? But we want to be immovable in our firm foundation of the true message of the gospel of grace. And we'll, we'll teach into this. We'll make sure the gospel of grace, it is the foundation of, of, of our lives. It's where we live from. We must live. We must start and live from the finished work of the cross. Right? We need to be, as a people, immovable from that message, immovable from that foundation, that it's only by the grace of God, and we choose to live from that place. Amen? We want to be steadfast in our pursuit of growing and hosting the presence of Jesus upon a people for His own possession. And we want to be unshakable in the culture of the kingdom of God that shapes and defines our behavior and our language. These are fundamentals to who we are as a house. We want to be shaped by the gospel. We want to be shaped by the kingdom. We don't want a counterfeit pseudo-sense of spirituality that might be impressive but doesn't carry the power of God and the power of the gospel. And the power of God is not dependent on whether you can get it right or not. It's dependent on the blood of Jesus. And so when you live in the, the eternal reality of His blood, when you live in the reality of the person of Jesus and what He's paid for, it's in that place that the power of the gospel becomes real. It's in that place that the power of the gospel is demonstrated. It can never be based on how well you think you're doing. 
And this should give us such hope, it should give us life, and it should give us confidence as the people of God, because God's going to do this thing. He's going to fulfill the Great Commission. He's going to cover the earth with His glory. And guess who it's dependent on? Jesus. He's going to do it, and He's inviting us to co-labor with Him. He's inviting us. He takes joy. He takes delight in partnering with His bride to see the kingdom of heaven established on the earth. This is why we can stay excited. This is why you can be excited even on a day when you don't feel so good. This is why you can have hope and courage even when maybe inside you're like, wow, I don't feel that great today. Actually, I feel a little bit discouraged or disappointed. Well, the message of the gospel helps us steward our hearts well because we have somewhere to go. We have a place to lean and depend that is consistent, unending, and never changing. And His name's Jesus. It's the finished work of the cross. Amen? If we want to host environments of His presence, this is how we do it. You get this? Because you can actually have a desire to create environments where we minister to God and host the presence of Jesus, but it's being done out of works and your own strength and your own efforts. And the reality is, it's never going to work. The anointing does not come on how well you're doing. The anointing falls on the nature of Jesus. And so when you, by faith, come into the nature of Jesus, He comes, the anointing falls on us. You get that? The presence, the presence of God is responding to the finished work of Jesus. He's not responding to whether you've figured out how to touch his heart today. What touches his heart is his son. It's why you're born in him, born again in Christ. Can I make a statement today that I was going to say later on, but I'll say it now and I'll repeat myself because I think this is a revelation that's got to hit our hearts. Jesus is the measure of how the Father feels about you. You get that? Jesus is the measure of how the Father feels about you. It doesn't matter what you're going through. You might be at your worst and lowest point. You might be at your best thinking that you are effective and fruitful and doing all this stuff. None of those things are the deciding factors for how God feels about you. It's only His Son. Because what you call good might just not be good. You get that? There's only one who's good. It's, it's Him. And so he's, he's set the standard. He's set the measure. He goes, how I feel about my Son Jesus, that's how I feel about you. Full stop. So now, because of that revelation, here's how it changes things for us. That revelation puts you in a place where even in difficulty, hardship, even in a place of not understanding or of fear, you know where to run. The only reason you would run away from God in times of difficulty is if you think that the measure of how He feels about you is based on you. I can come back when I figured it out. I can come back when I feel closer to Him. I can come back when I feel like I'm actually living the Christian life. Then I'll come back to you. That's not the gospel. Jesus is saying He made a way. He paid the highest price. There's nothing left to pay. And He did it so that you, 24-7, 365, and for all of eternity, have divine access to the heart of God no matter what. In your deepest, darkest moment, while you were still a sinner, Christ died. You get this? It wasn't about, you know what, if they could just get to this standard, then I'll pay a price for them. Then they're worth my life. No, he said, while you're in the mess and the darkness and the horrible state of sin, while you're there, your worst moment, I'll give my life for you. And what he did was he removed the obstacle of sin so that you could have perfect and unbroken fellowship with him all the time. The only way sin separates you from God is because it affects what you believe about yourself. It changes nothing for the Father now. You get this? Sin, he hates sin. Let me tell you why he hates sin. He doesn't hate sin because, well, sin's just icky. He hates sin because of what it makes you think about yourself. He hates sin because it affects the way you believe. It affects the way you see yourself, which affects the way you approach God. Because He's looking at you and He's seeing His Son. He's looking at you and He's going, Jesus is the measure of how I feel about you. I look at you and I see myself. I love you. In your worst moment, I died for you. Do you think that this one affects me differently? Do you think that this situation changes the way I feel about you? No. He's saying, come to me, run to me. And when you run to me, guess what you find when you, when you come to grace, when you come to Jesus? Guess what you find? The answers you didn't know you needed. And so we get wrapped up going, I need practical answers. I need all these, these, these life things, and they're beautiful. But they all come as an overflow from the answer, and it's the person of Jesus. He's the only one who will satisfy your heart. He's the only one who will hold you. See, grace holds you in every season. Every season. Grace is not just a good message when things are going well. Grace holds you when, when things are difficult. Grace will keep you when it gets tough. He's the one who's faithful to hold you. He's the one who's faithful. He holds all things together. Amen?
Amen. So can I say this? 24-7 global is really not merely a Sunday morning church expression. And I'll tell you why. Because when you get caught up and wrapped up in the vision of heaven, the dream of God, this is like step one. You get it? Because the vision of heaven, the dream of God, is so big. It's so beautiful. It's why we're called 24-7 Global. Why? Because there's a 24-7 expression of the dream of God that is going to hit the earth like never before. It's His presence. It's His glory. It's His face. But it's so much more than just this gathering. This time is so beautiful. It's one of the, it's one of the vital and, and, and big expressions of what we do as a house because we all come together. And that's a beautiful thing. But it should ignite something in our hearts. It should do something in us that begins to set us on a trajectory of a new rhythm of life. A new way of living. Are you with me? See, we're living in an hour that has the potential to be significantly catalytic and impactful. I need you to hear this. We're living in an hour that has the potential to be significantly catalytic and impactful. We need to recognize that. But many will choose the false comforts of self-preservation and self-dependency as a safe place, on the recording I'm doing the comma things, without realizing the imminent need for a people who are allowing the shift that God's bringing to happen in your heart. It's easy to settle for self-preservation, the false comforts of self-dependency. It's a safe place for me if I just do it this way. If I don't step out, if I don't risk, if I don't dare to believe, if I don't give everything, if I just do it according to how I feel comfortable, it's, it's a false sense of comfort. And I promise you right now what the world needs, and it's imminent, I love that word, but the world is desperately crying out for a people that will allow God to, to bring that shift that he's bringing across the nations, to let it happen in my heart so that my response to him is simply yes. He's just looking for people who will say yes. He's just looking for people who will allow the Holy Spirit to do the shift, to do the work, to transition us into what's coming, what's next. There's more. He's shaping us and he's forming us. And so I want to encourage you, he's not looking for you to have all the answers for life. He's looking for your soft heart. Never before in history has there been so severe an onslaught on the ownership and influence over the heart of man. I, I can say that with confidence. Never before in history has there been such a severe onslaught on the ownership and influence over the heart of man. The world is speaking. There's so many voices. There's money. There's insecurities. There's influence and fame and titles and a false sense of success and all these things that are speaking into our hearts, speaking into our lives, trying to influence us, trying to take ownership when there's only one true Lord. There's only one who can sit on the throne of your heart. See, God calls your heart the place where He wants to dwell. Can I say this? I said this in the school on Tuesday. Your heart is prime real estate. Your heart is the most valuable property on the face of the earth. It cost heaven everything. You're really expensive. See, God, I love this about the Lord. He emphasizes the eternal value of your heart. That's what He's emphasizing. And the church got so twisted that we started to emphasize sin over that value. I would rather make sure you're aware of your sin than make sure you're aware of the value that Jesus sees. The reason why we get stuck in perpetual cycles of sin is because we don't understand the value of our hearts. We don't understand that He's paid the highest price and He wants to live there. That even in your mess, He looks at your heart and He says, that's the place I want to dwell. He sits in the theater of your soul and He likes what He sees because He's applied the blood of Jesus to your life. And when you begin to see your heart and your life the way Jesus sees you, your perspective for life begins to shift. See, emotional health comes from that place. Emotional health is not going to come because you assess the things in your soul and you've got your seven-point plan on how to deal with every situation. Good luck. How many times have we been around this mountain? It doesn't work. God's not interested in your seven-point plan. He's got a one-point plan. It's the death and resurrection of Jesus. And he goes, when you apply that to your life and you live from the finished work of the cross, watch the work of the Holy Spirit. See, he's the one who makes it real in your life. He's the one who brings transformation. See, there's two types of transformation, your attempt and the one that Jesus brings. Your attempt doesn't get you very far. It might look impressive on the outside for a little while till the next difficulty, circumstance, or situation 
or failure comes. But Jesus brings a transformation that's based on Him. It's not based on you. It's measured differently. Are you with me? Are you still with me? Everyone good? I want to just highlight something. This is, I'm not going to focus on this too much, but I just, it's important for me to bring this up. See, f- fear, fear, it's a root and it's a fruit. And it's an indicator that should help us to recognize whether it's the voice of the Father or whether it's a foreign voice. Amen? Because fear is not in the nature of God and He doesn't operate according to fear. And let me tell you why. Fear can operate as manipulation, control, intimidation, or even just simply paralyzing you from stepping forward in faith. That's what fear does, okay? It can sound spiritual. It can even sound right, but it's never God. See, all these voices of the world, money, insecurities, pseudo-spirituality, stress, anxiety, all these things are trying to cause you to steward your heart based on fear rather than a true faith in His grace. See, you are stewarding your heart no matter what you think. Whether you like it or not, you're doing something with your heart. And you're either going to steward it based on fear or you're going to steward it based on faith in His grace. Amen? And the thing with fear is that fear can actually be very logical and sound right to your head. And it's what causes us to choose the false sense of comfort in our life, what we call safe places. And all it's doing is it's shifting your focus. It's making you self-dependent, self-reliant, self-preserving. And what we don't realize is on the other side of stewarding our hearts in faith, stepping out and trusting the finished work of Jesus, stepping out to see the impossible happen right in front of us, stepping out to trust God, on the other side of that step is a wild life with Jesus that's a glorious adventure that will shock you because He's actually that good. We we sing about the goodness of God, we talk about the goodness of God, but it's tasted and seen on the other side of faith. You get this? When we step out in faith, that's where we experience the supernatural power of the realm of God. That's where we access it. See, grace, I love this. There, there are different expressions in our life. Caution, correction, encouragement, empowerment. Right? We see these different expressions of, of things that are happening in our heart. Grace can bring about all those things in a life-giving way that's Jesus-focused, Jesus-centered, and Jesus-dependent. In other words... When you receive that, that voice, whether it's the Lord speaking to you or whether you're measuring a voice that's come into your life from different things, maybe it's a thought, you've got to measure it based on what am I walking away with? Am I walking away with fear and an emphasis on myself or am I walking away in faith, Christ in me, the hope of glory? And even when there's adjustment and correction that needs to take place, is it, is it emphasizing Christ in me? Is it, is it leading me to a place of dependency on Jesus so that I can walk into what He's called me to walk in? Is it encouraging my heart? Is it strengthening my heart? Even in correction, is the Lord, when He corrects you, guess what He's doing? He is enforcing, emphasizing, and edifying the life of Christ in you. This is how we thrive. This is how we come alive. This is how we walk forward. Because the thing is, it keeps your heart in a dependency on Him, and that's what makes you soft. What keeps your heart soft is not you trying to figure it out. What keeps your heart soft is leaning on Jesus. Are you with me? If the emphasis is you, be weary. If the emphasis is Christ in you, grab a hold of that word and let Jesus do it in you. Stewarding your heart is the most important responsibility to have as a Christian. Because from your heart flows the matters of life. We've spoken about this. Are you with me? In uh, Ephesians 2.10, it says this out of the Amplified. For we are His workmanship, His own masterwork, a work of art, created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which He has already set, so that we would walk in them, living the good life which He prearranged and made ready for us. Jesus has already given you and designed the life He's called you to live. He's already done it. He's gone before you. The finished work of Jesus has prepared a life for you. It's a supernatural life. 
It's a wild adventure in the dream of God. And he's inviting you to walk in it. And guess what? He shaped it. He birthed it. He'll sustain it. And he'll complete it. He's just looking for your yes. Hello. I'm excited. Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, outsiders without rights of citizenship, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, God's people, and are members of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure is joined together and it continues to increase, growing into a holy temple in the Lord, a sanctuary dedicated, set apart, and sacred to the presence of the Lord. Listen to this. In him... And in fellowship with one another, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. In Him and in fellowship together. You with me? That's important. So your heart, I want to say this today. The reason why I'm talking about your heart and I'm emphasizing your heart is because not only is your heart important to Jesus, but your heart is actually a living stone in this body, which is a part of the greater body, that's building a dwelling place. Jesus is doing this with your heart. You're a living stone that he's placed together with others to build a dwelling place, a resting place for the presence of God. 1 Peter 2, 9 to 10 says, You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a consecrated nation, a special people for God's own possession. You're special. If you needed to know that. Listen to this. All of those things, chosen race, royal priesthood, consecrated nation, people for his own possession, it's all so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. You getting this? I love this. Once you were not a people at all, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The goal of mercy and grace is to make you a people for His own possession. The goal of His mercy is to bring you into a living expression of His dream. Amen? So I'm just going to speak to your hearts this morning. You do not attend a movement that is living the Christian life for you. That's not what we're doing. Like, that's why I said it's not a Sunday morning, just a Sunday morning church expression. Because what we want to make sure we don't become is an expression of church that, that gives a false idea of transformation. And that I belong to a movement that's doing a bunch of things, but my life actually hasn't been touched, changed, or transformed. I belong to a group of people and I'm, 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 I'm excited and grateful that, you know, my church is doing this, my church is doing that. That's awesome. But you are a living stone in this body. Your heart is prime real estate. Your life, God cares about. He paid the highest price for and he's put the spirit of Jesus inside of you to see the kingdom of heaven at hand in your life. So this isn't a movement that you attend that's living a Christian life for you. You are the movement. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are the movement. A little more conviction, that would be great, but it's all good. You are the movement. And together, the movement of God's dream is expanding and growing. It looks beautiful. It's alive with so many different living stones, different expressions. And we're all coming together as one body, expanding and growing. And He's filling that space. Amen? Together, we're His church. You are a living expression of His heart. And you've been grafted into Him and into His body. So, that looks like a couple of practical things. Your time given to serving the people of God and loving one another. Do you realize that you giving your time is supplying the church with the life of Christ as you serve? Ephesians 4, go read it. That your time, when you're giving your time, you're actually supplying the body with the life of Christ. Because the life of Christ is in you. And so in the smallest things, like today, I was just so moved. I'm looking at our serve teams, and I'm like, they are sweeping this place. The smallest little marks, they're you know, rubbing them off. They're serving. They're setting the chairs out. Jen was making sure these chairs are dead straight because I'm OCD. And I'm looking at all these things, and I'm going, we're supplying the body with the life of Christ. It's not just about this. Don't get me wrong. Of course, tomorrow until, you know, Mondays to Saturdays, there's so many other things that God's going to call you to do. But on a Sunday, where we serve one another, where we love one another, we're actually supplying the body with the life of Christ just by being present and serving one another. I'm creating, I'm choosing to create an environment that God likes. He likes humility. He likes servant-heartedness. He likes family. You get this? So if you're stewarding your heart well, positioning yourself to serve, you're a living stone in the body that's contributing towards something so much bigger than any one of us. It's the dream of God. 
You giving your finances and as an expression of worship is supplying the church with the life of Christ and a practical resource that helps us expand and continue to advance the kingdom. Barnabas, Acts 4. He's this guy who just, he's just serving. He just loves what's happening. He's like, God is doing something incredible. He's not the man of the hour, the guy. He's just Barnabas. We don't even know. Son of encouragement. He likes to encourage people. And he sells a field. He sells his asset. And he lays it at the apostles' feet. This is, this is wild. This is incredible. It's not just generosity I'm just going to give. This is, this is generosity and submission to what God's doing, his plans and purposes. This is him saying, I'm just accountable for my yes. I'm laying this at the apostles' feet because I know there's need, practical need, resources that are needed to advance the kingdom of heaven. And I want to say, if we don't trust the house that we're in to give our lives in that way, we're probably in the wrong place. Amen? All of us, including myself and our team and our leadership team, we're all called to serve one another, to lay it all down for Jesus, to give Him everything so that He would get the glory so that the kingdom of heaven would expand and advance. Amen? So we see Barnabas do this. And in the next couple of weeks, I'm, I'm carrying this message about supernatural finances. I really want to teach on it because... I really believe that what comes with saying yes to the Great Commission is incredible abundance, but it's got to be stewarded well. And we'll talk about that in another message. The Lord was saying something to me last night that I'm wrestling through, but I, I, want, to, I want to process this. How many of you know the story of the rich, rich young ruler? Most of you know it. If not, go Google it, find it in the Bible, and, and read it. But last night, the Lord was stirring this in my heart. He said, it's important for us to recognize that God's not looking for rich young rulers. He's looking for people with hearts like the little boy with loaves and fish. Go and read those two stories and look at the heart difference. And I'll tell you why. The Great Commission won't be fulfilled by rich young rulers. It'll be fulfilled by Jesus using childlike followers who will give their loaves and fish to see the impossible become possible right before their eyes. God is not looking for you to be a rich young ruler who's done all the things, ticked the boxes and figured it out, but just can't lay it all down. He's not looking for those people. He's looking for people who will be soft, childlike, follow Jesus and just say, this is what I have and it's yours. Just think about that little boy on that day. Thousands of people to be fed and they're asking, anyone got some food? And he's like, I got some loaves and fish. For thousands of people, it makes no sense. Majority of us would go, I can't give this to Jesus. What can he do with this anyway? This wouldn't even, this, I can't sow this into this ministry because it, what's that going to do? But look at his heart. His heart is just simply yielded like, I got some loaves and fish. If, if this helps, God, it's yours. And Jesus goes, that's perfect. That's all I need. And that little boy was part of the, one of the wildest multiplication stories ever. Thousands of people were fed from his little loaves and fish. Just because Jesus can take a soft, childlike heart that's following him, trusts him, will give him everything. Jesus goes, I'll take that and I'll multiply way beyond anything you're capable of. This is the life of the church. This is what we're called to. Are you seeing it? Don't you want to live a life where the impossible is your playground? Don't you want to live a life where you look at impossible situations and get a little excited about it? Maybe a lot excited. Maybe you look at impossibilities and you go, this is incredible. I've just got some loaves and fish and Jesus is going to turn this into something incredible. He's going to multiply this. So we're in a new era. I don't know if you know it. We came out of COVID. The world's not the same, right? You just have to spend five minutes on YouTube or on the news or whatever, and you can see it. It's not the same. We've shifted into a new time, a new era. And I want to say this. In this new era, the church will be marked by scandalous grace and a contagious, bold faith. You need to hear me this morning. It's going to mark the church of this era. Scandalous grace. It's going, to, it's going to shift and change our perspectives. We're going to see the broken, the lonely, the forgotten, the unwanted, the, the too far gone, the worst of the worst. They're the ones that the gospel is going to grab a hold of. And the grace of God is going to so radically transform people like that. And God's going to put a contagious, bold, and fiery faith in their hearts to begin to believe for things because they know without them they're nothing anyway. I don't want to be... Someone who's got it all together, thinks that I've fixed it all up and I know what I'm doing. I want to be someone who's so reliant and dependent on the scandalous grace of God. I want my life to be an offensive statement of His goodness. I want my life to be an offensive statement to the world that He's the only one. And you'll never do it in your own strength. You've got to rely on Him. You must die so that He can live in and through you. Amen? This is the walk. This is the daily walk. God, Your grace. I want to live in and from Your grace. And I believe it's going to mark the church in this time. The impossible will become the norm because the church is led and built by and upon Jesus Christ, the only resurrected king. 
That's why the impossible is the norm for the church, because it's His church. It's His church. It's His house. It's His people. By nature, it should be the impossible becoming possible. You with me? And I, I know we're on a journey of growing in our faith, growing in our perspective, growing in truth. But I'm not going to settle for anything less than the church that Jesus wants, than the church that Jesus is building. Amen? And that should be in all of our hearts. We, we're not going to settle. We're not going to get comfortable. We're going to get fired up for the gospel. Why? Because it's Him. I don't, maybe life right now in, in your world is difficult. Maybe there's situations and circumstances and work is tough and finances are tight and things are difficult. That's all real for us every single day. But it's not the main thing. And the moment that it becomes the main thing in my life, I've settled for a lower reality of life when I can live in the eternal reality of the gospel and say, God, you know my needs. You know my situation and circumstance. You'll take care of that stuff, but I'm alive with the hope, the vision, and the fire of the gospel to see the kingdom of heaven expand. And I've got to build up my heart and build up my soul and build up my life every day in this truth. And there's so many voices coming at you from every direction, so you've got to make sure that you're yielded to His. These other voices need to sound foreign when they come at you because they come at you and they sound right. They might even sound spiritual. The religious spirit sounds very spiritual, sounds very right. And you've got to measure it by its nature, measure it by its character and say, would Jesus say this to me right now? It's the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord that should create and design our perspective for living. That's why, in the, the reason why I'm doing this this morning is because there are messages on my heart I want to teach into the prophetic. I want to teach into prophetic integrity. I want to teach into what it means to be spiritual, what it means to live in Him, what it means to be a Christian, all these things. But if we don't have the foundations of just simply being in Christ, knowing our identity is, him, is in Him, coming together as the family of God, knowing what you're a part of. If we don't have these foundations, there's no context or soil for that to land in. We can preach on the gifts. We can preach on the prophetic. We can preach on the Great Commission and the nations and all these things. If we don't understand my life is His and I'm a part of the family of God, if that's not my foundation, I don't have context for those things to land. You get me? That's why I'm saying to you, we're positioned right now for the wildest, most beautiful, crazy expression of God on the earth. And He's looking for a people that will yield. He's looking for a people that will give themselves to Him. You with me? Uh, grace will transform you according to His power, not your own. Not your own attempt to be better. His power. We need to spend more time yielding to His power, less time trying to have the answers. Grace will change the way we think, the way we interact with each other, the way we love, and the way we live. See, the church is going to require a yielded faith and a trust in Jesus. And we're being invited. I hope you can hear me. We're being invited by Jesus to co-labor with Him in seeing the world covered in His glory. He's going to do it. And this is going to be, mark my words, this will be the greatest move of the Holy Spirit that the world has ever seen. And He's going to do it through His people. I, I believe this with all my heart. He's going to do it through His people. Sometimes we're crying out for this external move to just fall on us and just happen. And I, I love that. And God does that. And there's, He fills rooms and He fills stadiums and He fills nations. And I love that. But I really believe what we're about to see on the earth, He's going to do it in and through His people. Can you see, if, if He's going to do it in us and through us, can you see how important your heart is? Can you see how important your heart is to Him? See, you need to get wrapped up and consumed by the heart of God for your own life, for your church community, and the world around you. You need to get wrapped up in the heart of God for your own life, for your church community, and for the world around you. It will change everything. So this is not a time to shrink back or to sit on the sidelines. It's time to burn for Jesus and to say yes to what He's building. I want to just give us three practical things. How do we respond when storms or shaking comes? Let me, let me do something. How many of you are in a storm or feeling some shaking going on in your life? Put your hand up. Hi. 
Have a look around. Look at that. So what do we do? When, what, how do we respond? What do we do when shaking of storms come? Number one, we run to grace. Jesus is the person of grace. When we run to His grace, we're running to His heart. We must always return to our dependency on the finished work of the cross because Jesus has made us right with God. Done deal. We have peace by the blood of Jesus. And as I said, He's the measure of how the Father feels about us. Can I say it like this? He is always welcoming us into deeper relationship with Him, even in our worst or most difficult moments. Can you just picture this for a second? When you face a difficult or a horrible or a challenging hardship or situation or circumstance, in that moment, the invitation from God is into deeper relationship, not pulling away. Do you see how when we understand this, this will change your life ever. When you understand this, Every trial, hardship, or difficult situation becomes a moment of deeper intimacy and growth in Him. Greater dependency, greater trust. I know Him more because of this hardship and trial. Run towards Him, not away from Him. Let Him love you so He can transform you in the midst of hardship and difficulty. We stand on the Word of God in seasons that are difficult or painful. His Word keeps us grounded and steadfast when we don't have the words ourselves. His word guides us and equips us for every season of life. So that's number one, run to grace, amen? Number two, we press in deeper into community. This one, I want to I nail this one in today. If you remember one thing, just take this one home today. We press in deeper into community. Let me tell you why. The community rhythm of life keeps your rhythm of life steadfast if you'll commit to it. I lead this community and sometimes I don't feel like home group on Wednesday night. It's not about what you feel like. It's about I've committed to a rhythm of life that keeps my life consistent and steadfast in a pursuit of Jesus. This is why we need one another. Watch the difference. Look at people who are growing fast in Jesus. What are they doing? They're at everything. That's just true. I can ask you. There's people I can look at you. I can, I, you could tell me your testimony. When you said yes to Jesus and yes to the body, what happened in your heart? You rapidly began to grow. Why? Because you, you've said yes to something. You've committed to something that's not based on feelings or emotions. It's based on yes. And so it keeps me anchored because I know if, I, if I'm not there, I'm missing. And people, I'm a contribution to something. My life, being in that room, is giving the life of Christ, serving the body with the life of Christ, just as everyone else is, and we're actually strengthening one another. If this, if biblically, and we believe the Bible, right? So if biblically, coming together like this sharpens us, encourages us, strengthens us, if I'm doing less of it, how am I being more rested, more strong? How am I, how am I stronger by, by being less involved, less committed, and less given to the family of God? This is not a legalistic thing, man. We all get tired. We all, have, we all need a break. We all need weekends away. We all need... I get it. But let me tell you something. If you will commit to the community rhythm of life, it will keep your, your life anchored in that. You know what that means? It means you have to say no to things that try to crash into that. And the reason is, if I have an eternal value for what I'm doing in Christ, who I am in Christ, what I'm a part of, if I have an eternal value, there is nothing else on the face of the earth worth more than that. said there'd be a little bit of healthy challenge, right? Because the reality is we all have those days where it's been a, a tough day at work. Even in the ministry, back-to-back meetings, whatever, counseling, heavy days, emotionally taxed, you're just tired, and then it's like you got 30 minutes or whatever to get to home group or to get to global mission school or whatever it is that we're doing. And everything inside of you goes, it's okay, like I'll just, I'll be in, at the next one. I'll just do it tomorrow. I'll do it next week. It's just one week. And, and that's fine every now and then, but the reality is it starts to perpetuate a way of thinking. Look at the fruit of your life. The more you pull away from the community rhythm of life, look at your walk with Jesus. I promise you, fruitfulness comes when we're planted in the soil of community because that's where we can grow. You get it? Ah, 
Come on. And I'm not saying this, honestly, with all my heart. I'm not saying any of this because we want to be successful as a local church. To be honest, that's not, that's not even my desire. If, if it was up to me, I'd be in the 1040 window in an unreached people group preaching the gospel. But God has us here. God has you here. You belong to this house because Jesus is building this house and he wants to do something in Johannesburg that's going to impact this city but also the nations of the earth. You're on the A team and there's only one team and it's the A team. It's the dream team. And you're in. There's no bench. There's no bench warming. You're either in or you're out. And God's saying, get in on the game. Come on. It's not a game, but you know what I mean. This is where we become attractive. Oh, actually, sorry, I need you to work every night this week until 11 p.m. Oh, sorry, I, I can't do that. Uh, no, sorry, you get paid to do that, so you will do that. Oh, well, sorry, uh, that's not going to happen because you actually pay me from 9 to 5, not for the overtime. And the reality is I actually belong to something that matters more to me than this. Well, then you're going to lose your job. Well, then I'm going to lose my job. No, Connor, you're being too radical. No, you're being too tame. Can I tell you why I can say that with confidence? Because for seven years, I gave myself full time to the ministry without getting a salary. This isn't about money. This isn't about, we've, we still, we work, we do other things to supplement our income. This is not about salaries and money. This is not about any of that. I can say this with confidence because we genuinely believe this thing. Right? I don't know why we would belong to something like the local church if we don't actually believe it's got eternal value and it's bringing the kingdom of heaven to the earth. I'm in on this. All in. It's got to be, it's everything. It's all or nothing. Jesus is not an incorporated experience. And this is how we become attractive to the world because suddenly people are going, I'm sorry, what? You're prepared to lose everything for that. And we're so afraid again, fear, rather than God's got me. And when I say yes to his kingdom, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And what? All these things will be added to you. There's not a single person on the face of the earth that's trusted Jesus and been obedient to him and been let down by God. It doesn't happen. It might not look the way you thought it was going to look, but that's why He's Lord and you're not. Amen? we got to just... And let me just tell you, it's, it's a lot easier said than done. I know. Because when everything's coming at you and those emotions are there and you're freaking out, that's that moment where we actually steward our hearts. That's when the preach becomes life. That's when the sermon takes... It has arms and legs. And suddenly we're beginning to steward our hearts and go, okay, Jesus, yep, now it's real. When the boss actually goes, oh, well, then you are fired. And you're, okay. <laughs> and I'm using a very extreme analogy and example. But my point is, when it, when it doesn't go the way you thought it was going to go, what's real to you? And maybe you're sitting and you're like, bro, you're crazy, dude. And I'm, I am. I really am. But I'll tell you why. Because... If this isn't what I'm saying it is, if it's, not, if it's not that true and that real and that worth living for, if He's not that worthy, why are we singing these songs? Right? When we say there's no one else more worthy or there's only one, what if that's actually true? And it is, I'm just, it's a rhetorical question. If, he's, if there is actually only one who's worthy, and when I sing, I lay it all down, or all my love, or I'll bless the Lord at all times, or it's actually real. <laughs> so we press in deeper into community because it keeps us anchored and grounded as we're following Jesus. You're not designed to follow Jesus on your own. We need each other. The world is screaming independence at you, and the Father is screaming dependence. The world is saying you need to set yourself up to be independent. And the Father is saying you need to lay everything down to be dependent. Number three, we choose to yield and trust God. And I've kind of merged these two into one. We must choose to surrender our lives to the leadership and lordship of God. He's a good God. So three things. We run to grace. We press in deeper into community. And we choose to yield and trust God. It's so vital for us this morning to understand. And this is my, my heart in sharing this. I know this is a different type of sermon and it's not, I'm not teaching you. I'm just wanting to encourage your heart and, and stir your hearts. We're in a moment 
as I said, an hour that has the potential to be significantly catalytic. I'm talking we can see shift and transformation on a regional and global level like never seen before. And I'll, I'll say this till I'm blue in the face till you catch it. Sometimes you've got to say it a thousand times for someone to hear it once. There's things I've said today that I've preached millions of times in this church. And some of you are like, that is the most incredible thing you've ever said. I'm like, said it last week, but anyway. It's okay, we all do that, right? So we, sometimes we've got to say it over and over again, but I'm telling you, we're in an hour with that potential. And I'll tell you why, because Jesus is doing it. There's an acceleration right now. The nations are opening up. Unreached regions are opening up on a, on a, in a way that we've never seen before. And people are getting stirred and catching the heart of God. We're seeing a mass mobilization of the bride of Christ across the nations. It's happening. And I know in our city, in, in the city of gold, in Joburg, where there's just, it's all about the grind and making money and all those things. In this city, there's going to come such a beautiful, pure expression of surrender. I promise you. There's going to come such a beautiful expression from the church in our city. Because Joburg is a resourcing and ascending city. It is. So you're a living stone given to this community by God. You've placed you by God. And if you're not placed you by God, I'm not trying to keep you. Amen? I'm not trying to fill this room with seats. I want to see a people filled with God. As a team, when we pray for this house, we're not praying, God, would you increase the numbers and increase the finances and increase... That's not how we pray. We're praying, God, we want your presence and we want to make disciples. We want to see people changed and transformed by the gospel. Fill people, God. That's what we want to see. Why? Because when that happens, that's how we begin to see impact on our city. So I can feel in my spirit, it's like God has set us up for this moment where he's calling us to take bold steps of faith. Bold steps of faith. Trusting him. Stepping into his dream. It might look like change. It might look like shift and transition. It might look like just faithfulness and what he's put in front of you. It might look like many things. The method is not the point. The man is. I want to be given to him. I want to see his eyes. I want to be, I want to be wrapped up in his burning eyes so that the fire that's in his eyes is what's sustaining me. Not my own attempt at passion. And so as a church family, we're giving ourselves to three things. And this is why... The whole morning, I've just been trying to explain this. It starts with your heart. It starts with you stewarding your heart. Then it starts with you realizing that your heart is a living stone in this body, contributing to something bigger than you. And then we as a church are part of something even bigger than that. And so from your heart all the way until literally the earth being covered in His glory, God is establishing His dream. And your yes is a part of that big picture. And so as a church family, we're going to give ourselves to three things. And you need to know that we're giving ourselves to these three things. So that you can steward your heart well to be an effective part of this body. Amen? So these are the three things. Number one, we're going to give ourselves to becoming a vibrant, dynamic, and healthy spiritual community. As we follow Jesus together, disciples making disciples. We want to be vibrant, dynamic, and healthy. Why? Because we're built on the revelation of Jesus and we operate in and from His grace. Amen? So this is a family. We want you connected into this. Number two, we're giving ourselves to cultivating and stewarding environments of His presence as we minister to Him and worship Him with our lives in a daily rhythm. See, this doesn't just change your life. This is how we change cities. And you go, how is that possible? It works. It's happening right now all across the world. It's not a new thing. It's biblical. It's right there. It is a daily rhythm of loving Jesus, ministering to Him in the context of community that begins to shift the spiritual climate over regions. Evangelism and praying for the sick and all those things, it explodes from a community given to loving Jesus. We've taught on that a lot. Number three, we're, we're giving ourselves to mobilizing a catalytic movement of sent ones into our city, our nation, and to the ends of the earth until worship is rising from every tribe, tongue, and nation. It's so simple. We're giving ourselves to family. We're giving ourselves to His presence. And we're giving ourselves to the Great Commission. If you are looking for direction for your life, there it is. If you are looking for purpose, there it is. If you're looking for a reason to wake up on Monday morning, there it is. Because we're not going to do all of this in two and a half hours on a Sunday morning, once a week. This happens from the moment you leave this room. 
And every time we come back, we should be growing and expanding, not just by numbers, but in faith, in capacity, in our revelation of who Jesus is, in the songs and the sounds that we're stewarding, in everything that we do. Amen? I don't know if you're seeing this, but it's about to get really wild. And it's going to get wild for the ones who say yes. And many, I promise you, many across the world will settle for false comforts, like I've been saying. I don't want to be that person. I'd rather trust Jesus and live a wild roller coaster life of just holding on for dear life. Jesus, do it. And then stand before him and one day I go, Lord, that was insane. That was wild. Like, I didn't see that coming. The turns got me, Lord. That was a good one. I'd much rather live a life like that and see, have stories to tell of the faithfulness of God where the impossible became possible. Every single one of you are designed to have those stories. Sharing one another's testimonies is beautiful, but you're called to share your own. And if you're living in a life right now where you go, I just feel, like, I just feel safe and boring and it's nice to hear someone else share that God's real because I don't even know if God's real in my life. It might be because you've settled for false sense of comfort. When you say yes to Him and you step out in faith, you trust Him, you depend on Him, you're reliant on Him, and you say yes to His dream, brace yourself because it's going to get pretty wild. You with me? You can see the extraordinary presence and power of God in your everyday life, in the little things that you've got to do because let me tell you, I know that there are things that we do in, in our everyday life that are very boring and normal. And He crashes in on that, man. He crashes in on changing nappies. He crashes in on having to figure out that solution for that thing at work. He crashes in on all of us. Studies, school, university. All of it, he's right there. When you're lifting those weights, bro. I hope you're ready. I don't think we can be really ready, but we just give him our hearts and we say yes. And so over the next couple of weeks and months, the Lord's just been speaking and I'll be unpacking with our team. We're going to set a, a very clear structure of the leadership in this house because the leadership in, the, in this house is to empower. You get that? The whole point of leadership is to empower. And God's got government and strategy in the house and that's important. But we want to see an empowering leadership model that is bringing hope and life and releasing sent ones into our city, into our nation, into the ends of the earth. So we're going to be communicating that and explaining who those people are, how we've structured it, why we've structured it that way, and how we as a church are giving ourselves to that. We're going to be spending more time in everything that we do, we're going to center it around the presence of God. We want, to, we want to make sure that in everything we do as a church, we create environments where He can speak, where we're listening. Amen? So as you see these things unpacked and unfolding, I mean, already this year, we've, we've birthed a mission school for unreached nations in a city that is largely not even alive to that concept. And we have 37 students signed up for that. That's incredible. God's birthed something in this house. He's birthing something in this city. We're not just touching our city, we're touching the nations, and you're a part of that, man. So I just want to say to you, thank you. Thank you for your, your heart for Jesus. Thank you for saying yes to Him. Thank you for wanting to be a part of the church. Thank you for being hungry. And I want to say this is just, we've just stepped into this. There's so much more. Let Him absolutely take over. Let Him be Lord. Let Him lead you. Let Him saturate you with him, Himself, with His presence. And watch what He's going to do. Are you with me? Why don't you stand? We're going to end a little bit differently today. I, I, I want us to, we're going to, for just five minutes, we're going to pray together. And I want us to begin to pray together in, in small groups. We're going to pray that God would do this in 24-7. That God would so build a dwelling place, a resting place for Him, that the church would go from glory to glory, that we would arise and be all that He's called us to be in this hour. And we would pray for the hearts of every person in this room, and even those who are not here today, that we would steward our hearts well for the purposes of His kingdom. And so... I need you to understand that today, right now, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You're filled with the living God. He's inside of you. And so when you pray, when you pray together, you're beginning to bring the life of Christ and contributing to one another, contributing to this space and this environment that's strengthening and equipping us so that when we walk out of this room, we're fiery burning ones. Right? It doesn't matter what you've got to do this week. If you do it as a fiery burning one, He's present. 
If you do it, yield it to Him. Watch how God will break into your everyday life and bring the kingdom of heaven. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, this morning, we just thank you that you are building your church, Lord. And the gates of hell will not prevail. Father, I thank you. We've, we've seen it. Acts 19. What happened in Ephesus where the whole west coast of modern-day Turkey heard the gospel in two years. And it says, the word of the Lord prevailed mightily. God, I prophesy that over 24-7 church this morning. I prophesied over this city over southern Africa and to the ends of the earth, that the word of the Lord would prevail mightily, God. Father, I pray this morning for every person in this room that you would strengthen our hearts. Jesus, you're the great shepherd and you're shepherding this house. You're shepherding us into truth and into all that you've called us to. And so I ask that you would envision, encourage, strengthen, and shepherd every heart in this room, God. Father, what a privilege to be family. What a privilege to be your house. What a privilege to follow you together. God, I'm asking this morning that the joy of our salvation, that the joy of the Lord would hit our hearts afresh and that we would be strengthened by your joy. Thank you for the rivers of living water in this place this morning. Thank you for refreshing. God, I ask as we, as we leave this place, we leave as the church, as sent ones into our city, carrying the goodness of God, carrying the message of salvation as weapons of righteousness. Thank you that today you've imparted and released faith into every heart. You've strengthened the church. We've encouraged and equipped one another. We've been transformed by your word. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Do it in us, we pray. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And start in our hearts, God. Start right here in our community, in our city to the ends of the earth. We love you. We worship you, Jesus. We bless you. And we honor you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Family, we love you so much. Please stay. Have coffee. If you want to linger, you can linger. I'll ask Saul to just play a little bit longer. You guys can linger and enjoy Jesus. If you need prayer, come. Our team will pray for you. Otherwise, we love you. And we'll see you in the week. School on Tuesday. Home groups on Wednesday. Love you tons. Bless you guys.